0: Good morning everyone. This is Father Nate, missionary priest in Italy, and thanks for joining us today, December twenty-fourth, on No Greater Delight, our podcast on Marian Feast and Marian Meditations. Well, today, obviously, we're celebrating the Vigil of the Nativity, the birth of Jesus Christ. But there's also a long tradition that celebrates or recalls the virginal marriage of Our Lady to St. Joseph. For some reason, it's been kept as a festival in Sainz, in France for a long time, but then also in other countries. We don't really know why this is the case, like why they've celebrated it this way, but whatever. it's If you want to celebrate on the Vigil of the Nativity, you want to celebrate the, the marriage between Mary and Joseph. Have at it. Now, curiously enough, we're going to pass over to St. Mary in Stevensville, Montana, in the United States. It was on the night of December 24th, 1841, not long after Father Pierre de Smet started St. Mary's mission with, uh, with the Bitterroots Salish, the Flatheads in Montana, that an orphan boy came into an old woman's teepee to study some prayers in preparation for baptism. As little Paul, as his name was, he was 11, told Father Dismet not long afterwards, he saw someone wonderful there. He said, her feet did not touch the earth. Her garments were as white as snow. She had a star over her head, a serpent under her feet. And near the serpent was a fruit which I did not recognize. I could see her heart, from which rays of light burst forth and shone upon me. When I first beheld all this, I was frightened. But afterward, my fear left me. My heart was warmed, my mind clear, and I do not know how it happened. But all at once, I knew my prayers. Right? Unsure if this visitor was a man or a woman, little Paul said that the same person came to him in had sleep, pleased that the first village of the Flatheads should be called St. Mary. And with that, Father Desmet identified the boy's helper as the Blessed Virgin. And the following year, on May 30th, he erected a small statue at the apparition site. So that's a beautiful tradition there. Likewise, uh, the in the, confer- the Confraternity of our Lady, our Knights of the Lady, the Milizia Sancte Mariae, was established in 1964. Canonically established, right? It was canonically erected in 1945 at the Cathedral of Chartres on Christmas, 1964. Our Lady, yeah, we actually have two different dates here, but uh, no matter. Um, in any event, it's the erection of the confraternity of the Militia Sancte Maria. right? We have both the date of 1945 and 1964, so one of them is probably true. And then, this is a very interesting image, the last one for today, is is Madonna von Stalingrad, right? Uh, or the Stalingrad Madonna, as it's known, right? Dr. Kurt Ruber drew a charcoal image for trapped German troops in on 1940. right so what happened in 1942 Kurt Ruber it was during the Battle of Stalingrad right and he drew this image uh, on on just uh, I think uh, people on a piece of paper as I recall maybe actually a map right and with charcoal the only thing he had the original is held is displayed on the Kaiser Wilhelm Memorial Church in Berlin but there's actually copies of it all over the place including in the Kazan Cathedral because the sign of reconciliation between Germany and its enemies at the time, uh, the United Kingdom and Russia. There's also a, a, a copy of it in Coventry Cathedral, right? You can look up online if you want to see like uh, Wikipedia has an example of the or the, the picture of the Madonna von Stalingrad. It's a simple charcoal sketch, right, about three feet by four feet. Mary is depicted wrapped in a large shawl holding the infant Jesus close to her cheek. On the right corner are the words Licht, Leben, Liebe, Life A Light, Life, and Love from the Gospel of John. And it's um, in the corner, actually, uh, uh, Ruber, the artist, wrote in German, I'm not going to say it because it's, uh, I'll butcher it, Christmas in the Cauldron, 1942. And then he says Stalingrad Fortress, right? The Kessel is the German word for an encircled military area, right? The picture was drawn by this Lieutenant Kurt Ruber, who was a German staff physician and also a Protestant pastor, right? So it was December of 1942 during the drawn-out battle for Stalingrad. And he wrote later, he said, I wondered for a long time what I should paint. And in the end, I decided on a Madonna or a mother and child. I have turned my hole in the frozen mud into a studio. The space is too small for me to be able to see the picture properly. So I climb on a stool and look down at it from above to get the perspective right. Everything is repeatedly knocked over, and my pencils vanish into the mud. There's nothing to lean my big picture of the Madonna against except a sloping, homemade table, past which I can just manage to squeeze. There are no proper materials, and I've used a Russian map for paper. But I wish I could tell you how absorbed I have been painting my Madonna, and how much it means to me. The picture looks like this. The mother's head and the child lean toward each other, and a large cloak enfolds them both. It's intended to symbolize security and motherly love. I remember the words of St. John, light, life, and love. What more can I add? I want to suggest these three things in the homely and common vision of the mother with her child and the security that they represent. Later he added that he went to all the bunkers, brought my drawing to the men, and chatted with them. How they sat there like being in their dear homes with mother for the holiday, right? Later, Ruber hung the drawing in his bunker for his unit's celebration, which he described as a moment of Christian devotion shared by all the soldiers in his command. And this is what he writes. He says, When, according to ancient custom, I opened the Christmas door, the slated door of our bunker, that is, and the comrades went in, they stood as if entranced, devout, and too moved to speak in front of the picture on the clay wall, the entire celebration took place under the influence of the picture, and they thoughtfully read the words, light, life, love. Whether commander or simpler soldier, the Madonna was always an object of outward and inward contemplation. The Madonna was flown out of Stalingrad by Dr. Wilhelm Grosse, his battalion commander. Ruben himself was taken, Ruber himself was taken captive after the surrender of the Sixth Army and died in a Soviet prisoner of war camp in 1944. The Madonna and a number of letters from Ruber were delivered to his family, and they stayed with the family until the German federal president, Karl Karstins, encouraged the surviving children to donate the work to Kaiser Wilhelm Memorial Church in Berlin. And so that's, in fact, what they did, where the original image is housed till this day. So again, as we continue with the crown of the Virgin, the meditation given by St. Idophonsus of Toledo, today he wants to give the Blessed Virgin Mary the precious gold green jade gold green jade so i think this probably refers to a sort of um what we might call hazy jade now it's got this sort of a gold tinge to it it's a not particularly a deep green but um but it is uh, a jade stone that's that's a precious stone right above all in the orient like in the east where it's highly valued right and so again this idea that it's a mixture of colors um is really at the center of what Idafonsus will say. So this is what he says, you know, he gives a beautiful poem, and then he says, But because I yearn to honor you yet more, I humbly offer to you a precious stone of rarest gold-green jade, which I will carefully position in your noble crown. This polished stone sparkles with the brilliance of gold and glows with the greenness of spring, Just as you, O Virgin, radiate the luster of divine wisdom and glow with the verdescence of holy deeds, in the shade of gold is the grace of wisdom signified, while the shade of green represents the purity of virginity. Because, O Mary, you were the first to dedicate yourself to virginity for the glory of God, the Most High rewarded you with insight into the deepest mysteries of His holy wisdom. You fashioned a dwelling place, not merely for yourself, but for God himself. The Eternal King chose you as the ivory palace in which to erect the throne of his glory. And because it would be unbefitting for such a noble dwelling place to be without suitable adornment, he poured out upon you the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, like seven priceless gems. First, he gave you the gift of wisdom, that you might be elevated into the ecstasy of celestial contemplation. Secondly, he adorned you with intelligence, by which you were able fully to understand the depths of the divine mysteries. Thirdly, you were enriched with the gift of counsel, so that you would be prudent beyond all others. Fourthly, God granted you knowledge, that you might perceive all things with absolute clarity. Fifthly, he gave you the gift of fortitude, that you should be strong and unwavering in the face of all adversity. Sixthly, you were endowed with piety, that you may be a flowing river of mercy, overflowing with kindly charity. Seventhly, God granted you the grace of holy fear, in order that you may be pure in mind and humbly reverent in the presence of his divine majesty. And then we can make his prayer our own. He says, I therefore beg you, most merciful lady, that your grace may protect me. May it enlighten my senses, make chaste my body, sanctify my soul, and inflame my heart. May your strength enter into my being, illuminate my conscience, and purify my heart. May your wisdom and virtue guard me against temptation, console me in tribulation, and protect me from sin. May your grace be with me, whether I am praying, meditating, reading, speaking, awake or sleeping. May your mercy be with me in the hour of death, repelling the enemy who would seize my poor soul and drag it away to the inferno. At that time, I pray that you will lead me, O oh sweet mother, to the eternal joys of paradise. Amen.